your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. We're back. You made it. It's your only daily Trailblazers podcast five days a week. So make it a part of your daily routine and make the show your first listen every single day. In today's episode, we got a fun one. It's training camp on Monday, September 26th. As you are listening to this episode, training camp, or excuse me, media day begins and then kicks off training camp where the Blazers will head to Santa Barbara to get their exhibition on and enjoy some Southern California weather before coming back up here and playing preseason games in the first week of October. But I got questions as we head into media day. Uh, I'll be at media day and I'll ask some I'll ask some of these questions in person myself, but others will be answered sort of throughout training camp and maybe the early part of the season. But for me and today, what I want to ask is, is kind of the biggest questions facing the Blazers this this season. Uh, it's mostly the early part of the season. Some of like the way basketball, the way the NBA works is like by game 30, you you have the answers and then you're looking for either new solutions, be it on your roster or not. But these are the biggest questions early in the season for me that the Blazers have to answer. We'll run through seven of them. Have a bunch of fun. Welcome to Lockdown Blazers. If you're a new listener, I'm super happy to have you. If you're a longtime listener, the season's here, y'all. We made it. Um, I'm happy to have you as well. So the first question as the Blazers enter the, the, the start of the season is, is Damian Lillard Damian Lillard? This is the obvious one. And I think this is the one with the easiest answer. Yeah. He's, yes, absolutely he is. But He's 32 years old. Um, he's coming off his first like true injury season. You know, he was, uh, you know, for the first seven years of his career, he basically didn't miss games, period, ever. Uh, played big minutes, led the league in minutes a bunch early in his career and all of those things. Just hadn't hadn't dealt with injuries. He had dealt with his nagging injury that finally caught up with him last season. And prior to uh, undergoing that surgery, he was bad. Like, he was bad by Dame's standards. He was, he was bad by most people's standards. Like, he just, he's prolific. And so, like, his his numbers in terms of like just sort of counting numbers, you think like, oh yeah, he had a little bit of a down year. But like, if you watched him, you know that he wasn't close to himself. Uh, he was, he was not that. So my question, the big question here is, is Dame Dame? And by Dame, I mean, and now I use that four times in that sense to really make it confusing. But what I'm, what I'm asking is like, the last time we saw Dame fully healthy, he was one of the five best offensive forces in the league. Basically an offense all unto himself, um, a terrifying proposition for opposing defenses. You know, his last maybe fully healthy game we saw him, uh, or last, you know, series or whatever, I guess they lost game six, but he has, you know, 55 and 10 in the playoffs. Like he was, it wasn't like, it's like, oh, will he get back to the level he was at before? He was at it. He was like on, he was in this like rare air in terms of offensive talents in the league. I think it's, relatively reasonable that he gets back to something that approximates it. What I think is unreasonable is that at year 32, year 10, that he has the best year of his career. That's just not typically how careers go. Can Dame be excellent? Absolutely. Can Dame be one of the top five offensive players in the league? Absolutely. Can Dame be the best version of himself he's ever been? Probably not. But he can get close to it, and he's one I'm not that worried about. I think there's people outside of the market, outside of Portland, who are more worried about Dame. I think it's a bigger question for like national media types than folks who uh, follow the team closely, like you or me. But like, it's a real question because if Dame isn't one of the top five players, top five off- offensive players in the league, the Portland is not going to be very good. Um, if, if Dame slips a little and he's like the 11th best offensive player in the league, it's that's probably a big enough drop-off to seal the Blazers' fate as like a play-in type team. 
he can put, he, you know, you, you kind of soar as high as, as your stars take you often. And, and Dame, I think, can get back to playing at a really, really high level really quickly. I'm not worried about him, but if there is some pessimism, it's for me. It's like, this isn't a career year. This is just another excellent year coming is what, what my assumption is. My next question. It's kind of the obvious and biggest one heading into camp in terms of like what actually needs to be decided, and it's who starts at small forward. I think four blazer spots are locked up in the starting lineup. I don't think there's any debate or any reason to 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 really parse them out. Damian is going to start at point guard. Amphrey Simon's going to start at the two. Jeremy Grant's going to start at power forward in this year. Uh, this year. And Yusuf Nurkic is going to start at the five. He's going to start at center. That leaves one spot open between Nazir Little and Josh Hart competing for that small forward spot. I've said a bunch on this podcast, and, I, and I'll say it again. I think Nazir Little is going to start at small forward for a variety of reasons. I don't think he's a better basketball player than Josh Hart, but I think he's a better fit in that starting group. I think Josh Hart's skills allow him to be um, play a more versatile, more sort of potent role coming off the bench where he has a little more control of, of the offensive flow and able to dictate things and isn't the fifth option offensively, although he's totally comfortable being that as well. I, I, I think the, the, that's the only question in the starting lineup. I think there is a world in where Josh Hart starts. Uh, I don't think it's a particularly likely one, but sure, like I, I, no problem believing that we come out of training camp and it's like Josh Hart's just really good. We got to get him on the floor. Like I, I totally believe it. Uh, I think it will be Nas. I think it's Nas's job to lose, and I think the Blazers, as a franchise, like they want Nazir Little to be a starter, right? Like the best case scenario is that he's he's good, <laughs> and you have to get him on the court because he's good. So I I, I think Nas starts, but that's a question, right? That's that's the only un that's the only undetermined starting spot uh, heading into camp. I, I I wouldn't classify it as a position battle because I kind of think Josh Hart's going to play a handful more minutes, maybe you know three four more minutes than Nas, regardless. Like just like total playing time. But who starts, you know, matters in the league to, to folks, matters in the league to, to I think, fans, maybe have even a, a higher perception of starting matters type of thing. So I think I think that's a big question. And then on the flip side of that is who finishes games at small forward? Conceivably, you know, I, I think, again, a guessing game here is that I think Josh Hart will finish a lot of games as the small forward. I think it'll be that same... Uh, same starting group plus Josh, just because sometimes you got to get your five best players on the court. I think maybe the ball handling from Josh matters. I think the drop off of like perceived defense from Nazir Little to to uh, to Josh Hart on a lot of nights won't be that much. It kind of depends on what the matchup is, but I think that's who finishes. But there's a world where Nazir Little finishes because he's just really good and takes that step forward. There's a world in where Gary Payton plays some like super small small forward lineups next to Damon Ant because he's he fits like what what that specific matchup needs but I think for the most part it's my guess would be early it's Josh Hart and then we'll see from there uh there are there are going to be games when the Blazers close small without uh Yusuf Nurkic on the floor but I don't think that'll be regular I I think that's going to be very matchup specific so There'll be nights when Nas and Ant are both, or Nas and Josh are both on the court to close games because they're playing a little bit smaller. But I think those are going to be more the exception as opposed to the rule for the Blazers, unless small ball really takes off and they're really good as a small ball team. And then we'll see it a whole bunch. 
I got more questions about Shaden Sharp and about Jeremy Grant. We'll answer those in the second segment. But before we do that, I want to tell you about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Whatever that action may be, you're going to find it on Bet Online. Right now, it's football season. It's a great time to get in on college football or, or the NFL if you're into it. But you still got soccer here and abroad. You've still got tennis. You've still got golf. You got futures bets in the NBA, futures bets on the NHL. Whatever you're into, you're you're going to find it on Bet Online. Don't wait. Go take advantage today. It's Bet Online where the game starts. All right. Let's keep asking those questions and I'll keep trying to give you the answers. A few more questions for the Blazers ahead of Media Day, training camp, and the preseason. My next question is Can Shaden Sharp contribute? I think Shaden Sharp has star potential. He just, I mean, I, I'm basing this off watching a bunch of YouTube clips of him as a as a AAU player and talking to people who are smart, like Kristen Peak of Yahoo Sports, who told me on this very podcast that if Sharp hits his ceiling, he's like Anthony Edwards with better shooting. Earlier this week or last week, ESPN ranked Anthony Edwards as the 25 best, 25th best player in the league. It's a stupid ranking. He's not, he's certainly not that. But if Shaden Sharp in year three, is the 25th best player in the league with a little bit better shooting. That's a star. That's a star. That is a, like, woo, that is a star. Anthony Edwards is a star in the making. Um, maybe could be a little bit smarter about how he acts in public, uh, particularly on social media. But yeah, like he's a, dude's a star. My question is not whether, what Sharp can be in year three. I think there's a lot of people, smart folks out there who say he can be something really special when he's ready. But he's a teenager. Teenagers are tough. It's tough for teenagers to contribute, even the best ones to contribute in the league. You know, uh, this is like, I'm going a little, aim a little high here. So the bar a little high to be clear. But like Kevin Garnett was uh, not a super good rookie as a teen coming out of high school. He was an all-star in year two, an MVP, uh, you know, nine years later, eight years later. But like an all-star in year two and like clearly a star, clearly one of the best players in the league by his second season. Kobe Bryant was a backup and, um, you know, wasn't good enough to win the starting roles as, as a team. He was an all-star in year two and is, you know, one of the best to ever do it. There is a track record for even the best rookies ever, like the Garnets and the Kobe's, like first ballot Hall of Famer MVPs, right? And I think this bar is a little too high for Shane Sharp. That's unfair of me to do that to him. But there's even a track record of those level of rookies struggling early just not being quite ready because it's that's a big leap to make. So my question isn't like, can Shaden Sharp be the starting small forward in February? I think that's unfair, unrealistic, and, and not even the goal of the team. My question is, can Shaden Sharp contribute? There are a lot of whispers coming out from anyone you'll talk to with the Blazers that Shaden Sharp is the real deal Holyfield. Real as penitentiary steel, as they say. Uh, in a podcast with, with Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes, Chauncey Billups lauded the rookie, kind of unprompted, like, this dude can really play. Um, you've you've heard an interview with uh, when Damian Lord was on the Dave Pash podcast. Lauded the rookie, said it's all-world talent. He's getting some praise inside the practice facility. People who've seen him up close are starting to get excited about him. Certainly Blazer fans are excited about him, and you should be. But the question is, can he contribute early in this? Not like, you know, can he earn a rotation spot and play? I think they're, the Blazers have a lot of incentive to get Shane Sharp on the court. Uh, he needs minutes to, he just hadn't played that much high level basketball, no high level basketball in his life. 
uh, it's you need some minutes probably as a rookie to to kind of acclimate yourself, get your feet under you, and figure out what what you can do. It's hard to be. Um, it's hard to move from zero to some in year two, although it's totally doable and I think it's fine. Um, but like, he probably need he more than most rookies needs some developmental minutes just to like get out there and play. But if he's if he's a negative on the court or if the Blazers are like if their margin, which I think it's going to be, is really slim, playing vets over rookies is how you win regular season games and preserve your playoff spot. Like in general, players with experience and who've played in the league a bunch are better than rookies. It's like, it, that's pretty simple math. So the question is, can Sharp contribute? Can he Can he just be, can he prove that he's good enough that he has to play every night? He's part of the plan because he has to play, not part of the plan because the Blazers have incentive to get him on the court. That's, that's a big question for me. The other question for me is about an older gentleman. Not a 19-year-old, but a veteran, an established player. It's Jeremy Grant, new, newly, newly acquired Jeremy Grant. Is he the solution? Grant is the Blazers' second best player. At least for now. He's better than Amphrey Simons and better than Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, Ant can take a big leap and we will... T- and if he does, we'll talk about it. Like, he'll be there. But for right now, like, a, prior to the season beginning, I think Jeremy Grant is pretty clearly the Blazers' second best player. The, the problem with that, the issue here, is that he's probably third on going to be third in usage on offense. And then he's going to be asked a, like a big ask on defense and is someone who is pretty obviously the Blazers second best player. And you better believe Jeremy Grant believes he's the Blazers second best player. The way NBA mentalities work, Jeremy Grant, I think he's the Blazers best player. Like that's, it is there. There is a the requisite amount of confidence to play in this league. You certainly need it. And Jeremy Grant has it. Like he's, you saw how he ended up in Detroit, et cetera, et cetera. Like, the question for me is that someone who thinks who is the Blazers' second best player and sees themselves as such, when asked to be third in shots, but also have the biggest ask and thus the biggest blame on defense, often like that's just kind of the burden of it. Hey, you got to guard LeBron. Oh man, LeBron scored thirty-eight. What are you doing? Um, it's it's there is a balance. There will be an art from Chauncey Billups to to coax what the Blazers specifically need from Jeremy Grant out of Jeremy Grant. Because they need him to be cool with being third in shots, and they need him to be cool with having a lot of responsibility on the other end. And is if your max is sort of like, your sort of ceiling is utility role player, but you're probably skill set is a little bit better than than that. Uh, and I don't think like third best player in a playoff team is like the utility role players. Like I don't mean it in a bad way. I just mean like Jamie Grant's not going to be getting 20 some shots a night and averaging 22. Like that's just not how this is going to roll. If it does something weird happen or the Blazers are really good. Like, cause they're, cause they're just flying around and scoring a bunch of points. But like, I think Jeremy Grant's going to average in the high teens and he's going to have a much lower usage than he had last year in Detroit. He's, he's going to take a step back. And it's like, as a role player, as a compliment, maybe complimentary part is a better way to say this, as like not the featured part of the offense on most times. Although there's some, there's some easy bench unit combinations that you can feature Jeremy Grant if you want. Whether they should is another question, but there's certainly ways, simple ways to do it. But in terms of like at the end of games and at whatever, like, you know, Grant Grant's going to be the tertiary option, the third option. So the question is, can Grant play star level 
star level contributions while getting role player level role, complimentary part role, complimentary player role, but star level contributions in terms of impact, star level impact. That's that'll be the art of Billups's coaching this season. I, I I don't think I think it's for for Chauncey Billups, and this is like a this is a bonus eighth question here. That's not even a question. Is like the 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 challenge for him is not X's and O's necessarily. I think he got a lot better X's and O's by the end of the year. I thought he was um, he was kind of just first year coach early in the season. By the end of the year, he was drawing up great ATOs, like really nice out of timeout plays. Um, he got he he got better in the X's and O's department. I'm not worried about that. Dude's a basketball genius. Like he's like check the resume. You know, like he really understands hoops. It's the other part of coaching that's the question for Billups. It's the soft stuff. It's massaging egos. It's getting everyone to buy into the plan. It's implementing that plan early on, getting buy-in and then tweaking it from there. Uh, Billups did not, um, you know, from from you know my time around the team, I don't want to use the S word, but from my my vantage point covering the team as I did last year, there were plenty of veterans who uh, were displeased with how it worked. Rocco, Norman Powell, um, Larry Nance, just like, they didn't figure the way they fit, the way they roll, the way their roles fit. They were frustrated with some of how it worked. Always going to happen in every NBA locker room. There's always people chirping about playing time and all those things. It's happened on every Blazer team I've ever covered. Uh, but that's a that's the challenge for Billups, right? Is to not have a repeat of that where you've got some unhappy veterans and then you're trying to figure it all out and 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 also have like a really thin margin for error for in terms of giving up games. And Grant to me is the biggest swing player on the Blazers roster. If, if he's really good and he's the solution, he's an elite wing defender or a very good wing defender even, and a, and a really good you know book him for seventeen a night third option on offense. But he's got some cooking. Like he's, he'll be really helpful if he's not quite that. If he's unhappy with the offensive role, or he's not quite a, this, you know, premier wing defender that the Blazers are going to ask him to be, it gets a little dicey. And when that gets, if, if that's, if he's not a solution, then you again, it falls on Billups to find that next solution while keeping folks happy with playing time and touches and all of those things. There's an art to it, and it's a real. It'll be a real test for Billups. I think that's for me the the X's and O stuff. I am not worried about Chauncey. I mean, maybe I'll complain about it during the year. I preserve the right to complain for sure, but like, I'm not worried about him. It's the it's the soft stuff. It's the ego stuff. The 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 personality management. The part of the job that's like being a CEO. That's the stuff that I would I'm concerned about. And it starts with that sweet spot of finding the way to get the most out of Jeremy Grant. All right, let's close the show. I got three more questions. What the final rotation spots look like? Who wins the two way final two way contract? And can the Blazers operate on two timelines of developmental and competitive in the same season? Follow me to the third segment, won't you? Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. We're rolling through our questions from heading into training camp and preseason. Media day is tomorrow, or as you're listening, this is Monday, September 26th show. I'm going to publish it a little bit early on, on Sunday, September 25th, as I'm recording this. So it's uh, if you're listening to this, like training camp's about to happen, or training camp just is like going, or excuse me, media day is about to happen, and, and media or media day is going on right now. It starts at 9 a.m. on Monday morning. But these are questions that some of which I'll ask at media day, and some of which I think will be answered as the team heads into training camp. So we've run, you know, we've, we've run through five of them with a bonus about Billups. And I, I have a couple more to close the show, including spots eight, nine, and 10 in the rotation. Who, do, to whom do those belong? 
I think that's one of the big questions we will try to answer in training camp. Some of this we know, and it's not it's not hard. That's why I'm starting with 8, 9, and 10. Dame, Ant, Nas, Jeremy Grant, Yusuf Nurkic, Josh Hart, Gary Payton. Those seven dudes are going to play every single night. There is no debate. Those are seven players who will play, and they'll play pretty regularly. It's the final spots in the rotation that are in question. I think Justice Winslow is pretty much a lock for eight. I think Watford is, Trendon Watford, excuse me, is pretty likely to be nine. So that means we're really talking about 10. I think Watford's spot is like a soft, soft nine, right? It's like, it's not in maybe pencil, not pen, right? Uh, he's going to play. I think he's earned the right to play a little bit, but there are, there are other options that could conceivably come up. One thing about um, heading into last season was you didn't know what Chauncey Billups was going to do. Was he going to be a coach that plays just nine guys? Was he going to coach that plays 10? Was he going to go Steve Kerr and like weirdly play 11 some nights? Was he going to be more on the other side and be like uh, the Nick Nurse types and play eight dudes and say, these are the only eight players I trust. We're just going to play them like so many minutes. Like it was unclear. It seemed pretty obvious that Billups 10 was Billups's preference, but the 10th guy was a small minute roll. It was a single digit roll. It was like two, four minute shifts, steal some minutes in the second quarter, steal some minutes in the third quarter, go sit down. Uh, like nine plus is more Billups's sweet spot. Nine plus. Uh, early in the year, he was like really early in the season. He was playing Damon CJ too many minutes and just having like first-year coach woes, and he's talked pretty openly about how the rotation stuff was his probably biggest adjustment. By the end of the year, nine-plus is is what he's comfortable with. Obviously, uh, once the sort of season flipped and they were tanking, it was a little bit different. But for the most part, looking back through the box scores and following the team closely, Billups is going to play nine-plus. So that means 10 dudes are going to play every single night. Winslow's eight. I think Trina Watford is nine. Ten is the question, biggest question for me. And there are some options. It could be Drew Eubanks when the Blazers just need another center because that is the way that the matchup dictates uh, you need a 10th guy. It could be Shaden Sharp because imagine Shaden Sharp just in the memorial Tony Snell role, except like he's fun and not Tony Snell. Uh, Like Tony Snell's playing. If you remember early in the year, Tony Snell would get sort of like seven to nine minutes in each game and he would do nothing. And then he'd chill and go to the bench. Um, because he was just going to not screw up low F-ups and coaches love low F-ups, which is another reason why it's hard to get Shaden Sharp on the court. He's going to have some screw ups. It's growing pains. Um, like, I think there's a there's a world in which the 10th guy is Shaden Sharp playing those minutes. I think there is a world, albeit unlikely, where the 10th guy is Keon Johnson playing some of those minutes. I think there's a world somewhere down the line where Jabari Walker is the 10th person. But I don't think 10 is set in stone. I think 10, 10 is hopefully something that the Blazers can let matchups and kind of just like, hey, we want to get a look at what Shane Sharp looks like. Let's get it. He'll be the 10th man tonight. We want to get a look at what Jabari Walker looks like. Let's see if he can steal some minutes. Like if he can jump and solidify himself, let's get him some minutes. Or, hey, we just need another big and and and, and uh, Drew Eubanks is the other big who we have in the roster, so go for it, Drew. I think that's the question. Like, who's 10th? Because I think 8 and 9 are mostly spoken for. I, I'm pretty comfortable 8. I'm pretty certain 9, 10 is my question mark. And that'll be something that I we monitor closely through the season. The next question is the final two-way spot. Uh, the Blazers have 
this week, or excuse me, on Friday of this week, announced the signing of Wesley Awundu, uh, originally a draft pick by the uh, Orlando Magic, who has been in and out of the league the past couple seasons, uh, played like a handful of games during the sort of COVID week of Christmas last year for the Hawks, but for the most part was out of the league other than those cameo minutes when the Hawks roster got blown up. He's a 6'6 defender type, um, full disclosure. I was a pretty big Wesley Wundu believer early on in his magic career. Um, he just never came around with enough offense for me to justify that belief loudly. But I, I really, I, like... He signed with the Mavericks coming out of uh, coming out of Orlando, and I was like, "This is a good pickup for the Mavs." Like Wes Awundu is sneaky good, and he wasn't good, and he's like kind of been out of the league since then. So, um, I've my belief has waned a little bit. But he's the newest guy. He's one of the five players that could earn one of the Blazers' final two-way spots, along with big men Olivier Saar and Devonte Kaycock, along with uh, Isaiah Miller, along with Jeremy Roden. Roden six-six wing. Isaiah Miller, six-foot point guard. I think it's unlikely. Wesley Wundu, six-six wing. I think it's unlikely. I think it's down to the two big men, Devontae Kaycock and Olivier Saar. Like I, I just, I, I just think that's the decision. The Blazers need front court depth. They need another. They just need a, a break the glass center type. Like, uh oh, foul trouble. You know, the flu, whatever it is. Like you miss. Like we're just going to miss one of the big guys tonight. You're going to need another big guy. Every team could use wings, like more wings. But the Blazers are kind of stacked in terms of like veteran wings and young options if you include uh greg brown in the mix as well like they have they've got a lot of folks who can answer that that question of like hey we need a wing to help and if you're gonna like choose a development guy like someone already on the roster makes more sense than a two-way guy to like earn those weird minutes so i think it comes down to Devonte kaycock and olivier sar and just like judging by what we know about joe cronin it's olivier sar's job to lose right uh he's younger he has way more upside he's like He's a big guy who can shoot. He's seven feet tall with some real shooting chops. Devontae Kaycock is more of like a known rebounder type quantity. Like he's played, um, he's just on the cusp of having played too many seasons to be uh, to be two-way eligible. Like he's 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 just a little bit older. He's had a little more experience. He's got some more measurables. But Cronin, on the record, loves high upside guys. And then his first draft pick was drafting a total unknown high upside guy in Shaden Sharp. What we know about Joe Cronin, like... No sources, no nothing. Just like believe them, believe folks when they tell you. It's that he likes high upside guys. This is Olivier Sar's job to lose. Like just like logic, he could lose it for sure. But I think like Sar's got to be the leader in the clubhouse to earn that two way spot as we head into training camp. But that's a question to watch. Like what do they do with that second two way spot? It has to be a big. If it's not a big, we're doing a whole show of me complaining about how it should be a big man. The last question of the show, and I think to me this is the biggest question of the enti- Blazers' entire season. There appeared to be two two timelines, competing timelines on the Blazers roster. The first half of the Blazers roster is win-now veterans. Damian Lillard, Jeremy Grant, Yusuf Nurkic. These are like vets who can play and can help and you like and are here to win today. Like by what I mean help is like help. Like if you need to go win a basketball game, these dudes are are ready to to do it. They don't need more seasoning. They don't like they're they're mostly finished products and all of those things. That's the first half. Throw Josh Hart and Justice Winslow in that mix. Throw Gary Payton in the mix. Thirty years old. Like these are these are win now players. These are playoff playoff competition type players. The back half of the roster has five players who are either entering their first or second season in the league. Two rookies and three second year players. Jabari Walker and Shaden Sharper developmental pieces. 
Keon Johnson and Greg Brown are developmental pieces. Trenton Watford is might play pretty regularly. Um, I project him to. And in fact, in two questions ago, I said he's like pretty clearly the ninth guy, ninth man. And I think that's true. He's also a second year player, like still still developing. It is hard in the league to do both. And the same deal with Shaden Sharp. Like the Blazers have incentive to get him minutes because they like he should play and they need him to play. But uh, there's a cap on that because it's like he's not on a team where they can afford to just play him 29 minutes and if whatever happens, happens. Like, this is a team that wants to be in the playoffs. They want to be in the mix. Um, their best players openly discuss, like, trying to be back in the mix to have a legitimate chance to, you know, reach the reach the conference finals, reach a championship. It's hard to do that playing a bunch of young players. It's also hard to get young players to improve a great deal without them playing some developmental minutes. It is a tough, tough road to hoe. Tough. It's tough. It is difficult to manage those two timelines simultaneously. And for me, that's the question for this season. The Blazers probably have a cap on what they can be this year with the talent that they have now. Certainly they can make a trade and improve and try to get better and go for it. But the idea that this is like a borderline championship team, a one move away is silly. Um, Borderline good team, probably a move away from being a really, really solid team. The West is flat enough in terms of like the middle where like the Blazers make the right magic move. I think they're like, you could easily talk yourself into them being a Western Conference Finals team. But the idea that they're that now seems silly to me. They're a team with playoff aspirations that has legitimate playoff aspirations in an incredibly tough Western Conference. They're also a team with a bunch of young players that could be part of the future and whatever's next. Uh, whatever the next iteration of the Blazers is going to be. Are they able to choose one timeline? If they do, it's obviously the competition timeline. Damon Lord's 32 years old and he, he's the guy. Um, you're going to follow his timeline before the others. Can they, do they, if they have to choose that way, do they find enough valuable minutes for the back half of their rotation to figure out what they have or to, or, you know, or to get, you know, to make those players better. It's a team without a G League team, a team that hasn't utilized a G League in the past. Like these dudes are just going to be showing up at the Moda Center at 4.30 and playing three on three. <laughs> like, you know, is a bunch of two on two games between Keon Johnson and Shaden Sharp enough minutes for them to like be valuable contributors next season? The Blazers kind of need them to be ready to go sooner rather than later. But sooner is, is that March or is that next October? The dual timelines is a really tricky one for me. It's one of the reasons I'm a little bit lower on this team than I think most within the Portland area. I don't think you can do both things. And I think at times the depth of the Blazers back half of the rotation is going to show up where you have to play Keon Johnson and Greg Brown. And while they might be promising players for the future, they're not very useful right now. Although Keon has shown some flashes. But again, if you're playing Keon Johnson, it means that you're missing some combination of Damon Ants and Josh Hart and, and Gary Payton. You're probably missing two of those players if Keon is playing. It, it's, it is a challenge for them to do both, to be competitive with veterans and have the sort of right amount of developmental minutes to make the most of the back half of the roster. If they want to be a playoff team, you know which way they have to lean. But if they want to be good for the health of the franchise, like for if they are really thinking of this in a two-year timeline, at what point do they say, well, we, I mean, Justice Winslow's better than, like, you know, he, he's better than Jabari Walker, but we want Jabari Walker on the court because we want to see what we got. Like, at what, do you ever have to make that decision? And at what point do you do so? Um, 
And how do you learn that without getting Walker minutes to begin with? That's why the 10th man, I think, you want to see a rotating group of folks who get in there with low cameos and prove they deserve more minutes from there. That, to me, is the biggest question for the Blazers, is can they do both? Can they both field a team that competes to avoid the play-in and finish something like sixth in the West while also getting real developmental minutes for the back half of the roster? And if they can't, which way does it fall? Does it lean, like it's going to lean more competitive, but at some point, like the truth is the truth. We're not as good as we thought we were going to be. Do you then lean into the, to the other side? And if you do lean into the other side, what does that mean for the future of the franchise? What does that mean for Damian or for Jeremy Grant entering free agency? Like if he doesn't agree to a contract extension, what does that mean for, uh, you know, where a, a Josh Hart trade or, or extension might be for vet, vets like that? Like these the questions for what timeline are you on will answer what timeline do you commit to next moving forward. And that's why it's fascinating for me. It's not because, oh, I don't think rookies should play on a good team in February. It's you have to make a choice because the next steps, like the roster will dictate what you do with the next steps. That's kind of the nature of the league. It's a fascinating week ahead. I'm excited. We got media day. We'll have a recap of media day. We're going to do, we talk a lot about Jeremy Grant in this one. We're going to do a Jeremy Grant pre, player preview later this week talk about our first impressions from training camp once we uh, once they get out there and practice and do some stuff and talk to the media five days a week wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube tell your friends about the show make it your first listen every single day how about you make your second listen locked on fantasy basketball it's the number one fantasy basketball podcast anywhere Josh Lloyd friend of the program is as good as they get in fantasy hoops you can go if you're a fantasy player you'll win your league by listening to Josh Lloyd the locked on fantasy basketball available wherever you get podcasts check it out Check me out. Come back tomorrow for more shows. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.